This is the International Family Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today is part two of our current series, Small Changes, Big Difference. Mark your calendars. On June 26th through the 28th, our highlight event of the summer, Family Matters, is back. Family Matters is three great nights with something specific for everyone, including VBS for the kids and fun and prizes in IFC Youth. Join us for Family Matters June 26th through the 28th. We believe that the local church is the hope of the world and that simple acts of kindness and generosity can open the hearts of many to the love of Jesus. Coming up on July 14th, we'll be joining with hundreds of churches to take part in a nationwide initiative called Serve Day. Serve Day is an annual opportunity for the church to get out of the church and make a difference in the surrounding community. If you're passionate about helping people in the way that can impact their lives forever, we want to encourage you to join us for this special day. You can play an important role in helping others and spreading the love of Jesus in the greater Boston area and beyond. Full info about the various opportunities and how you can get involved will be available at intlfamilychurch.com. Mark your calendars for Serve Day, July 14th, and get ready to make a difference in the lives of those around you. Now enjoy this inspirational message from our pastor. Are you ready for God's word? Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to study your word today. We believe, Father God, as we do, there's going to be a divine exchange, a divine exchange of your wisdom and your strategy and your solutions into our lives. And we believe that because of that exchange, we are going to be better, stronger, more equipped, leave here very different than the way we walked in. And we believe, Father God, that you will definitely answer our questions and and give us exactly what we need. And we know that you are a good, good God and you love us. And we thank you for it. We'll be so careful to give you all the honor, all the glory and praise. And all of God's people said, Amen. amen. Welcome to part two today in our series, Small Changes, Big Difference. Small Changes, Big Difference. Last week we asked a question, What could be some small changes that you could make in your life that would produce big differences in your life? Just because you have big problems doesn't mean you need big answers. That's very important that you understand that, that oftentimes all that it is is some very strategic, small adjustments, small changes in your life that'll produce a big, big difference in your life. Last week we talked about um, something called a sowed, a, a seed sown. Just a small seed, but when it's sown, it can absolutely change your life. We told you if you don't like the harvest that you have right now, how many know what we can do? Change your seed. If you don't like the sum total of where you are right now, thank God it can change when you decide to sow the right kind of seeds. Oftentimes, We've sowed the seed, and then we, we had a terrible harvest, but we're learning that you identify what kind of harvest you want first, then you back up and determine what seed do you have to sow so you can have that particular harvest. It's called being selective in your seed sowing. Don't just sow seed because you just want to sow whatever seed you want to sow without thinking about the kind of harvest you're going to have. So last week at Depth, we talked about that. So please make sure you get a hold of that teaching. Uh, go to intlfamilychurch.com. Go to our website there in the media section. That message last week was archived. It'll be a great blessing to you. Today, I want to talk to you about Connections. Connections. I want to be right up front with you this morning. Today's going to be a giant counseling session. So get yourself ready. Welcome to pastor's office, right? 
I moved it from the back over here to the front today. Um, and, and I promise you that, that I could, because I can't fit you all in my office, that it's going to be one of those kind of services. You're going to think, oh, okay, I, needed to, I didn't even know I needed to hear that. Um, but thank you, Pastor. And so I believe it's going to be a, a great, great time. I want to share something about connections that really my wife and I learned years ago, and we are benefiting from that understanding of connections all these years later. I think you'll be very blessed by what you hear today. Here's our big takeaway. Here's the one big point I want you to go home with today. God did not intend for anyone to succeed alone. Everyone has God-assigned connections to specific people that are essential to our God-planned destiny. Uh, you'll like as we build this message today. A great place to start is Efe uh, excuse me, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 through 12. We've read this before. It's a great few verses of Scripture. It says this, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, anytime I get on an airplane and I'm on my way to some desired destination, I am very much aware that there are certain teams that make what I am about to do possible. I'm grateful that there are pilots, right, that are competent, qualified, and trustworthy to bring me to my destination safety. I know there's a security team that are looking out exactly for what could bring me harm, and they're very much busy on the job. Also thankful for the flight attendants who work so hard to make sure my flight is comfortable. I realize that there are these teams that unless they work together, some that I see and some that I don't see, I'm not going to be able to reach my desired destination. My life is happier. My life is safer. My life is better because of them. Just one practical example in our lives that once you realize how vital your connections are, and once you learn the importance of connection and you begin to realize the connections that God has brought into your life, the quality of your life will change immediately. Now, the Bible is full of examples of God-assigned connections. For example, David had a God-assigned connection with Jonathan. Joseph had a God-assigned connection with a butler. Esther had a God-assigned connection with a king. The Ethiopian crossing the desert had a God-assigned connection with Philip, and Elijah had a God-assigned connection with Elisha. And the 12 disciples had a God-assigned connection with each other. And Ruth had a God-assigned connection with Naomi. The purpose in these God-assigned connections is to perpetuate, nurture, and complete God's plan in our lives. There are five areas where God is putting great people in your life right now. If you don't recognize those five areas, 
you'll possibly miss the people that God's trying to send your way so you don't have to do life alone, so you don't have to succeed alone, so you don't have to overcome alone. So you don't have to do life all by yourself. Right now, God has brought these five different groups of people into your life. Becoming aware of their presence is the first step in realizing God's purpose in connecting them in your life. Here are the five areas. Contacts, they network us. Friends, they affirm us and are committed to us. Partners, these people share common interests or goal. Mentors, they produce change in us. And protégés, they learn from us. Right now, these five groups of people God's trying to bring to your life help you understand that these five groups of people are there to help you succeed in life. See, God sends people into our lives. How we treat them determines if they can stay. God brings great people into our lives. How we treat them determines whether or not they can stay. That's a powerful statement. The more you accurately identify the role of people who God brings into your life, the greater potential there will be in you completing your destiny at a very high capacity. When we get the roles right, we can experience it, the purpose that God has put them in our lives. Failure to recognize these people, failure to recognize these five groups of people will cause us to miss out in God's intention for us. For example, when you find a mentor, be content to be a good student. See, oftentimes because we don't know how to receive or how to handle mentors in our life, what we try to do with a mentor that's blessed you and helped you, you try to make them your friend. When God never intended the mentor to be your friend, He intended them to be your mentor. And to turn them into a friend will cause you to lose someone that had a higher purpose in your life than just being your friend. Doesn't mean mentors can't be friendly. Doesn't mean you can't be friendly to your mentors. But we have to understand the difference. Recently, a businessman said to me, Pastor, I want you to know something. I want you to know that you have mentored me from a distance. And he went on to say, I know we're not close friends. I see you only on Sunday mornings, but you need to know that you have had a great impact on my life. Now, obviously, that blessed me. What a great compliment that was. But the salute, I don't say that to say that the salute belongs to me. The salute belongs to him for recognizing the role that I am playing in his life. He could have not understood that and not benefited from that, even though we're not over each other's house, even though we're not over doing lunch all the time and so forth, and, and maybe our, our seeing each other might be limited, but, but because he recognized the role of mentor in his life, it has helped him immensely. The more people you are able to connect to, the more opportunities you create for God to enlarge you. 
You're asking God to change you. You're asking God to help you. You're asking God to improve. You're asking God to be a better husband, a better wife, a, a better mother, a better father, a better person, a better businessman, a woman, a businesswoman, a, a better individual. And you're asking God to do this. And he's trying his best to bring great people into your life to enlarge who you are. That's why it's important to develop the ability to connect with a variety of people. Jesus connected well with different kinds of people while remaining selective to his inner circle. Did you hear that? Jesus had a wide range of people he connected to, but he was extremely selective about his inner circle. I hope you heard that. His contact list included tax collectors, fishermen, government officials, wealthy people, common people, influential people, doctors, and religious leaders. See, make it your goal. Make it your goal to be friendly and courteous to everyone. Thank you. Make it your goal to be friendly and courteous to everyone, but also make it your goal to choose who will and will not have influence in your life. That's important. I mean, come on, your mom and dad brought you up, right? Learn to be courteous and friendly to everybody. But you've got to be picky and choosy who you're going to allow in your life to influence you. Amen. Now, this is vital today. This is going to help you today. A failure to constantly choose will result in the wrong people having influence in your life. When you constantly or consciously choose, you are qualifying the people to have an influential role in your life. You choose who you allow in your life. Amen. You're the one that chooses. You're the one that draws the line. You're the one that opens the door. You're the one that closes the door. You're the one that says yes. You're the one that says no right? No one can just come into your life any old time they want to. You have to be um, in that place where you are consciously, purposely making sure that only those who have a positive influence on your life are you allowing in your life. Some of the most likable people, some of the most fun people might not be the most positive influence in your life. Just because they're charming doesn't mean they should have influence in your life. I've met some charming, fun people that as soon as they opened up their mouth and told me something about their life or their view about life in general, I'm thinking, holy moly, they are not going to have influence in my life. You're fun to party with, but not to build my life on. Come on, somebody. Somebody might be your relative, so you have to interact with that relative, but that doesn't mean you've got to be best friends with that relative, and it doesn't mean that you should, because they are family, allow them to influence how you're going to live your life for God. Be friendly, be courteous, but know where to draw the line, know where to open the door, and know when to close the door. Oh, I hope you're listening today. Reserve your inner circle for people who bring out the best in you. Like a target, we have many areas, but that inner circle, like Jesus, he was selective who he brought into the inner circle while he had many people in his life that he 
was being influenced by, by his influence in their lives. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Amen. Amen. It's a great story that, that applies here today. Bob Richards is the only Olympiad who has two gold medals in the pole vault. He was trying his best to break the record of Dutch Marbidon and tried his best but came up short every single time. He had changed coaches. He changed uh, vaulting, vaulting styles. He worked hard at his craft, and, and he just always came up short. Finally, he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call Dutch. So we called Dutch. He said, Dutch, I need some help. I'm stuck. I can't continue to improve like I want to. Well, Dutch became his coach, and Dutch helped him have eight inches higher in his pole vault, which enabled him to break Dutch's record. I want people like that in my inner circle. Do you have people like that in your inner circle? Man, they are offering themselves. They, they'll, they'll work hard for you. Whether you make more money than they do or you succeed better than they do, man, you need people in your inner circle that bring the best out of you, not the worst out of you, not remind you of that old self before Christ that brings you back to a place where you don't need to go. You don't need that kind of encouragement. You don't need those people in your inner circle. You need vital connections with people that'll help you break all the records there are in life. Come on, somebody. Remember, God did not intend for anyone to succeed alone. Everyone has God-assigned connections to specific people that are essential in their God-planned destiny. Listen very carefully. Don't disconnect from those God has connected you with. Don't disconnect from those that God has connected you with. We are, we as a society have become so ultra sensitive, so easy to offend. We get angry so fast and we write people off so quickly. Amen. Causing many to disconnect. The story of the prodigal son is a great example of how his disconnection initiated by his own rebellion, underestimated the effect it would have when he disconnected from his dad. Right? His desire for independence, his desire to do his own thing, he asked for his inheritance way before it was time. Dad granted it. He went off and, and, and absolutely destroyed his life. Why? Because in his discontent, he disconnected. Mm. A lack of contentment causes many people to disconnect from those God has connected you to. Even when you're in the right place, you have to work hard to be content. You have to work hard to fight discontent. Amen. Because all kind of things happen to try to get you to be discontent. And just because you're discontent doesn't mean that that's God's sign for you to disconnect from a spouse, from a friend, from your church. Come on, somebody. Right? Discontentment doesn't mean God's saying 
you're done. There are two reasons why discontentment comes into our life. We've got to learn. Don't be quick to discontent. Don't be quick to disconnect when you feel discontent. Say that real fast. The reason why we get discontent is there's external reasons and internal reasons. External reasons, something or someone has changed, and it makes us discontent. There's internal reasons because it's time to grow up. It's time to change. It's time to, to be better. It's time to mature. It's time to get out of your comfort zone. It's time to finally get over your hurt, your, your, your discouragement, your offense. When there is a crisis and you are all alone, there needs to be one question that you ask when there's no one around to help. You need to ask the question, who did I, discontent, who did I disconnect from that God brought into my life that was supposed to be here to help me, but for some reason I disconnected and I find myself all alone? Let me tell you something. God doesn't want you to go through life all alone. You got to own your issues yourself. You got to stand up and be a grown up and be mature. Absolutely. But God doesn't call you to go through life by yourself. Doesn't call you to fulfill your mission by yourself. God never called me to fulfill my mission by myself. I stand up for it. I own it. But God always desires to bring people in our lives that'll help us, especially in time of need. And if you find yourself in time of need and you look around and there's no one to be found, it's because you disconnected from somebody God tried to bring into your life or you didn't recognize those connections because of your inferiority or because of your fear or because of your past hurts. And so what happens is we find ourselves all alone disconnected when God never planned for you to live that way. There are people this morning banging their heads against lack and poverty, all because they disconnected from the wrong person. Amen. Barnabas disconnected himself from Paul, and we never hear about him again. Amen. Who we connect with, who we disconnect with, is very important that we understand this is God's plan. Are you disconnected this morning? And why? Why? Many of us are disconnected from life. We don't live in the now. We don't enjoy our children. We don't enjoy our family. We're not enjoying the seasons of our relationships. We're not enjoying rich friendships. We're not enjoying rich fellowship. Why? Because we've disconnected ourselves. Whether because of, of, of being discontent or fear or laziness or I can do it myself kind of attitude and we discontent from a, we disconnect from people and, and organizations and individuals and life because of certain aspects of our life and we are suffering for it. We read in the beginning of the of the message Ecclesiastes 4 9 through 12 and and how two are better than one and you, and it's not unusual for us to hear people say, you know, I can get more done myself. I'll just do it myself. I'm better off with, without people. And the truth is we can't and we're not better off. Amen. Amen. The scripture encouraged us to do what? To create a better return for their work. Right. Two means there's help in weakness. Two means that when there's cold, there can be warmth. Two can defend themselves better than one. Amen. I've learned that when people think in agreement, great things can be accomplished. But many people 
are programmed not to be in agreement. They're programmed to live in disagreement. They would rather find the one or two things that they don't agree with you on instead of agreeing on the 10 or 12 things that they can agree with you on. Because many people find agreement as a weakness. I got to stand up my ground. I got to, I got to, I got to let them know that I'm not, I'm an independent person and that I don't agree with you and, and so forth. And meanwhile, you're all by yourself. You're all lonely. You have no friends and you're making no influence in the world because you don't know how to live in agreement. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm by no means thinking that agreement means blindly following, right? Just throwing out your thoughts and, and just, you know, being mindless or compromising your deep, heartfelt convictions. I'm not suggesting that at all. In fact, we here at IFC, we thrive in an environment of creative ideas. We thrive in an environment where we rely on the wisdom of the team. In fact, relying on the wisdom of the team is one of our core values. And today happens to be the day that every dream team in their pre-service huddle went over this particular core value. We go over our core values every Sunday morning as a dream team, and it so happens to be that was the one that they went over today because we believe in that. Let me tell you something. I've been in meetings where we have aggressively and lively expressed our opinions and our ideas, right, of how we think something should be done. But you know what? At the end of the day, what matters most is how can we best serve the mission? How can we best serve the mission? Because that's our top priority. And that takes emotional maturity when we don't like your idea or we don't think it's better than somebody else's idea. Amen. But we all contributed. But at the end of the day, agreement came. We got something done. And we have a plan and a strategy to continually build the kingdom of God. Agreement. Are you always in disagreement with somebody? Do you immediately disagree before you agree? I meet people like that all the time. The first thing you can count on is they're going to disagree. I don't agree with that. Then 10 minutes later, you know what? That's probably a good idea. But immediately, right away, they're programmed to disagree because that's what they see first. Not agreement, not how we can do this as a collective, not how we can do all of this together. Think about 60 different nations here. You can think about all the different opinions that are here. I mean, political spectrum, you name it, it's here, right? We're here, we're in this under the same roof, going to the same church. It'd be easy for us to disagree about everything, right? Down to somebody's shoes and the style of their shirt and the length of their dress. I mean, no matter what it is, there's always something that we can disagree about. But what makes IFC great is how we find what we can agree on and look what the Lord is doing because we can agree. We see beyond the color of somebody's skin or the, the sound of somebody's accent or a political persuasion or, or this or that, and we realize there's a mission here at IFC that needs to get done. It's right outside those double doors, and it's upstairs across from the cafe, and that mission means the world to us. And when you're a partner of IFC, at the end of the day, we agree that the mission's top priority. We agree that we're going to see lives change. We're going to know, people are going to know God. They're going to find freedom. They're going to discover their purpose, and they're going to make a difference. Amen. See, even if you're always disagreeing, you're never going to be a part of something great. You're always going to be the lone ranger all by yourself. 
the martyr that has no friends. Mm. David was approached by a group of skilled, talented warriors that wanted to join his army. Before David welcomed them, he needed to know if they were with him in heart and soul. Nothing they could offer was more important to him than their attitude of agreement. Life's greatest victories are reserved for those who can connect and agree. One day in East L.A., there was a 19-year-old woman that was driving down the thruway. She fell asleep behind the wheel. She crashed, and her car went over the guardrail. The only thing that kept her from going to her ultimate death, uh, uh, she was over a bridge, is the fact that her left rear tire got caught on the guardrail, hanging over the impasse, facing death immediately. Passerby came to her rescue. The firefighters came to her rescue. Uh, tow trucks came to her rescue. It took two and a half hours to secure the vehicle before they could pull her out to safety. One of the firemen were being interviewed, and the journalist said, what was the hardest thing you had to do? And this was on, it was viewed on national television. I don't know if you remember the day that that was viewed. And he was saying, what was the biggest challenge that you faced in this rescue? He said, it was the 19-year-old woman screaming in the car saying, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. I can do it myself. Thank God they didn't listen to her. Because it took an actual crane to hold the car, a tow truck to pull the car, firefighters to figure out a way to get in there and rescue her before the car fell over. And we have people just like that today, facing falling off a bridge, facing perilous moments in their life, facing life and death situations, facing overwhelming circumstances in their life, saying, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. Act like a three-year-old. I can do it myself, Daddy. Right? When in fact, you can't do it yourself. How's that been working for you? Because I promise you, you're not experiencing the greatest victories in your life because you insist on doing it yourself. <laughs> Connections. Connections. The chair you sit on, the bed you sleep in, the car you drive have all been made by a cooperative effort from people. Do you realize that you can't even make a pencil by yourself? Oh, that's right. The wood comes from the Northwest. The graphite comes from um, a mine um, in South America. And the, and the eraser comes from a rubber plant in Malaysia. Thousands of people it takes to make a pencil. And you think you can live your life by yourself. Connections. Connections. There's a great, great, great quote from Mother Teresa that illustrates this perfectly. She said, you can do what I cannot do. I can do what you cannot do. But together, we can do great things. Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Together, we can do great things. Think about it. What would a guitar be like with only one string? What would it be like if you only had your lower teeth? 
What if one person tries in a marriage? What if one ingredient is missing in a recipe? What if a computer has a malfunctioning key? What if one tire is missing off your car? I mean, after all, you have three. What if one letter is missing from a word can't versus can? If nobody ever made agreements, what would our world be like today? See, people are bumping along. And you can bump along if you want to. You can be indifferent about this if you want to. But if you want to experience the greatest victories of life, you need to be connected. You need to understand relationships. You need to recognize that God brings people into our lives, great people, to bring the best out of us. There are businessmen today longing for some businessman who's been down this road before, some businesswoman who needs another businesswoman to come into her life and mentor her and show her the ropes and, and give her those, those insights of where she's failed so she doesn't have to make the same mistakes. There's a dad, there's a mom, there's a, a father, a mother, there's a husband, a wife, there's a young adult, there's someone who wants to do great. There's a young married couple that's longing for an older married couple to come alongside and say, come on, I see the mistakes you're making. Here's what you need to do. Here's, here's how you do this. Here's how you handle this. Man, I was a young pastor, pastoring 50 people. And back in the day, just a few years old, I met a man by Dr. Jerry Savelle. I met him in an elevator. I was impressed. I was starstruck. I stammered. This is one of my heroes in the faith. I'm thinking, I'm in the same elevator with Jerry Savelle? I'm thinking, wow, I do my best to introduce myself. You know, he's asking me questions about the church, and I'm trying to remember the answers. <laughs> and finally, when he gets out of the elevator, he shakes my hand and says, Jonathan, if I could ever do anything for you, don't hesitate to call. I'm thinking, wow. Then you think, he just says that to everybody. You know what I did when I got home? I wrote him a letter. I said, I'm the guy in the elevator. I'm the one that was stalking you. I said, I remember what you had on. You had a red velour shirt, these beautiful blue pants, and these shoes that were the coolest looking shoes. And you said to me, if there's anything I could ever do for you, give me a call. I'm writing this letter today. And you know what? He was the first guest speaker we had when no one wanted to come to New England. We were nobodies. I was a rookie pastor. I didn't know what I was doing. But over 30 years ago, I recognized a connection. He is today my pastor, and he's influencing my life, right? What an amazing opportunity. Why? Because I said, I recognize this is a connection. I went after that connection. God honored that connection. If you would understand I'm a very well-connected man. I don't mean that in the way I know who's who. I'm just saying I work hard at being connected. I do. I work hard at being connected. Why? Because I can't do this by myself. I'm not smart enough to do this by myself. I've connected with different new people in my life as the church has grown and, and gotten to certain numbers and, and life changes and your decision making and how you budget and, and how you plan and the leaders that you train and, and, and the places that we're going. I don't know. I've never been here before, right? Connections. You can see my contact list. I have people from every political persuasion. I have people that when I meet, they drop 
F-bombs like you can't believe, and they know who I am. And you know what? I've never corrected them because I'm not there, there to correct them. I'm there to influence them. Some of you, as soon as somebody drops an F-bomb, now I'm not looking for folks who drop F-bombs, okay? Right? But some of you, the first F-bomb you hear, I'm out of here, I, you know, you lily white ears, I can't handle this, you know. And so you can't handle somebody dropping a few F-bombs and you don't see the bigger picture that it's the sick that need the doctor. Right? I mean, it's amazing. We recognize that our neighborhood and our neighbors are our connection. So you know what we did last year? We got another one planned coming up. We sponsored a block party. I wanted them to know that the pastor, see, they know I'm a pastor. They've gone on the website. I want them to know this pastor doesn't have an eyeball in the center of his forehead. That these are good people, just like them, who happen to pastor. We had a block party at our house, and we're in a cul-de-sac. Everybody came to our house. They came on our property. Yeah, they brought their wine and their beer, and I didn't provide it, but they brought their own. That's fine, right? Some of you are already backsliding. My purpose wasn't to judge them whether they drank or not. My purpose was to know these are my connections. This is my mission field. And I got proactive. We got proactive. We had the best time. Of course, my, my wife's apple crisp was the hit of the day. Right? There's another one being planned. They're asking us, when is the next one? Do you recognize your connections? Do you recognize that God brings people into your life for you to influence and they to influence you? Amen. 2 Timothy 2.23 says this. Don't have anything to do with stupid and foolish arguments. Christians have way too many stupid, foolish arguments. And miss out on the opportunities to connect with a wide range of people. Wow. You know, I'm not on Facebook. My wife is. But I've told you before, I've seen some of your conversations. And I'm thinking, oh, please don't say they're from International Family Church. Because <laughs> right now they're making fools of themselves. Fools of themselves. By these foolish, stupid arguments. Right? That divide us. They don't unite us. You see, if you take a chair apart, it's individual pieces can't stand on their own. Put that chair back together again, and it can support the weight of a human being. See, all the individual pieces, when we come together, that's what makes IFC strong. That's what makes us a force to be reckoned with. That's what makes the devil mad. That's what gives us the ability to build the kingdom of God in our area. That's what we are. That's who we are. Amen. And we need to do everything we can to get beyond all of our differences and work together for the cause of Christ. I close with these questions, and I would encourage you to get your phone out already because you need to take pictures of this. Here it is. You ready? Here's your homework. Can you recognize the God-assigned relationships in your life? What can you do to improve these relationships? Do these people, do the people in your inner circle bring out the best in you? If not, why are they there? Wow. 
These are amazing questions that will help you understand who God brings into your life. And the final two questions today. What would happen if you connected your gifts to IFC's mission? What more could we do to make a difference in other people's lives? Wow. I hope you heard this message today. Because you know what? When you make these kind of adjustments in your thinking, it's really in comparison to how big life is. When you understand these God-assigned connections, it's a small thing to connect that'll produce a very big difference in your life. Remember what our takeaway was. God did not intend for anyone to succeed alone. Everyone has God-assigned connections to specific people that are essential to our God-given planned destiny. Did you learn something today? Come on, stand to our feet. Come on, why don't you raise those hands towards heaven. Say, Lord, thank you that you love me so much. Thank you that you, you're setting me up with God-assigned connections. Some of you have recognized them and some of you have not. You haven't even thought about it. But now, I hope it's been so thought-provoking that you'll realize, okay, God, who are these people in my life? Who are they? Where are they? And how can I respect them so they'll stay? And the ones that I chased away, either on purpose or by accident, Lord, bring them back or bring somebody else back into my life because I can't do this by myself. You've not called me to fulfill my destiny, my purpose by myself. So, Father, thank you for connections. Thank you for connecting us Thank you that, God, through Jesus, you connected with us. And thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, dying for us, connecting with the lowest part of my life and wanting my sins forgiven, wanting heaven to be my home. You wanted to connect me so that heaven would be my ultimate resting place where I would live throughout eternity. With every head bowed today, the greatest connection you can make, the connection of all connections, is to make sure that Jesus lives inside of your heart. That's the connection. That's the connection that opens the door to every other connection in your life. Are you connected to Jesus today? Is He your Savior and your Lord? Are your sins forgiven? Are you on your way to heaven? Make sure that that number one connection is in place today. If you're not connected today, you can say yes to Jesus and ask Him to come into your heart and He'll forgive you from your sin and give you a brand new beginning in your life today. If you're here today and you'll say, Pastor, I need that connection. I need Jesus in my life today. If that's you, will you raise your hand nice and high? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But you need to know today, I'm connected to Jesus. I'm connected to God. Anybody like that at all? Raise it up high today. Anybody at all? Yes, thank you. Yes, over here. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Good. Who else? Yes, thank you. All the way in the back. Thank you. God bless you. Yes, wonderful. Yes, I see it, sir. Thank you. Wonderful. Connections. Man, what a big difference they make in our lives. Be connected. Stay connected. Reconnect. Whatever it takes to experience God's highest and best. You who raised your hand or you that are joining us online that need prayer today, let's pray this prayer together as Pastor Tom comes and closes the service. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my life. 
I need you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Forgive me from my sin. I will serve you all the days of my life. I declare you as my Lord and my Savior. Because of this connection, my sins are forgiven. My life will be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for listening to part two of our new series, Small Changes, Big Difference. If you decided today that you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life, congratulations. We know that this was a big decision. We all need help navigating life's journey. We'd love to connect with you. Please visit intlfamilychurch.com to find out how.